This is Arts Underground. I'm Katie Ganaway, and we have another special guest here on Funny You Should Ask today, and that is Christy Montgomery. Hello, Christy. Hey, Katie. First things first, let's talk about where you're from, where you grew up. Okay, so it's a really boring backstory. (laughs) (laughs) I lived in Madison County my entire life. Uh, Grew up in Harvest and went to Spartman, graduated from Spartman, and then pretty much stayed around here. Went to Calhoun, then Athens, and... Now I'm actually starting this fall at UNA to get my master's. So In what? Clinical mental health counseling. Nice. Yeah, every comedian needs to know how to be a counselor, <laughs> so that's what I'm doing. Oh. <laughs> Let's talk about how you got into the comedy scene here in Huntsville. In an offhand sort of comment, you talked about how you sort of midge-mazled it, like from Marvelous Miss Maisel. Yes. Can you talk about that? So anybody that's seen the show, um, she she gets left by her husband. She's got two young kids. That was kind of my situation. I was, uh, not to bum you guys out, but I was uh, <laughs> was married and had uh, one one boy, another boy on the way, and husband decided he, he wasn't feeling it. So uh, it was pretty traumatic, but I had actually got uh, introduced to the comedy scene right before the divorce because my brother-in-law at the time was Guy Frizzell and he was one of the OG um, comics in the comedy scene along with like Sam Ashby, Thaddeus Blake, um, Scott Eason, Tom Hand, Daniel Coley. So they that was around 10 years ago when they were really starting to get Huntsville comedy to become a thing mm. uh, we only had like one open mic at copper top and you know a few small shows here and there i had tried it because my brother-in-law was doing it i've always loved comedy and i had this set start running through my head one day and it wouldn't go away it was in the shower it was when i was driving and i was <laughs> like i guess i'm gonna have to try comedy and get this out of my head so <laughs> i had invited a few people did the set. It went well. In hindsight, it was probably because I invited people who laughed at me. <laughs> but it still was like a, you know, exhilarating experience. So I was like, man, I did that. And then after the divorce, you know, I'd spent a year just trying to pick up the pieces and figure out my new life and split custody with my ex. So there were, you know, two nights a week. I had no kids. And I was like, you know, I'm going to try this comedy thing again. And it's like comedy just pulled me back in and really saved my life um, Mm. because it gave me an outlet that I needed, a very therapeutic outlet that I needed. And um, it was something that was mine that nobody could take. And and that was kind of the thing with Marvelous Miss Maisel. She she had to find something that was all hers that that nobody could take away from her, that no one helped her get. And so uh, it's very empowering to finally have something like that that can't be pulled out from under the rug. You know, I worked hard for it. I went a lot of kid-free nights to to these open mics. So, so after the first night that you you did that set, what was the feeling getting off the stage? Oh wow! Well, the first night it, it was it was amazing. It was uh, it just felt like something I was seriously supposed to do, and, and my brain wasn't going to let me stop until I did it, or my soul wasn't going to let me stop until I did it. And it was like I was trying to tell myself, "Oh, that was just a bucket list thing." Okay, I did it, mm-hmm. fine. But I just kept getting pulled and pulled to to keep getting back on stage. And I think the ebbs and flows with comedy has always been that way for me. You know, I've taken time off here and there. But it lets me know when it's ready for me to get back on stage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, 
So let's talk about the comedy scene in Huntsville. How would you describe it in a few words? Well, I would probably describe it in in two different waves. Like I said, the OGs that really got it started was kind of a different scene back then. You know, Mm -hmm. we were a family in a dysfunctional way. You know, (laughs) it wasn't all love and and happy and support. It was like, Mm -hmm. I'm here, you're here, get on, I'll get on. You know, it wasn't Mm -hmm. a whole lot. Um, And I don't mean that in a negative way, but, you know, those are the kind of family you just say whatever, do whatever. You have your tiffs, you do your thing. But then a few years, I, I guess right after Stand Up Live, they started doing those comedy classes. Mm-hmm. We got this new wave into the Huntsville comedy scene of uh, these people were so nice mm-hmm. and kind. <laughs> and they were like asking for feedback and mm-hmm. they were smiling all the time. <laughs> and we were all just kind of like, what is this? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like it's kind of merged in this beautiful mosaic of, you know, oh. old and new. And and we've kind of, the dust has settled and we are who we are and we're bigger and stronger than we ever thought we would be. I mean, how, there's shows everywhere now. How so. do you see it growing beyond beyond uh, what it's become? Or how would you like to see it grow? Because it is growing. Like it, you yeah. see it po- uh, comedy things popping up everywhere. It's definitely growing. And I feel, mm-hmm. I feel like I would like to see some of these younger kids, because I feel like an old veteran now, but <laughs> some of these younger kids... Um, Getting seen, getting stage time, getting, you know, paid to do comedy. I'd like to see it to where it's, and I, myself included, not seeing the same names on these shows mm-hmm. because I feel like we need that variety and we need to, to capture more interest. Uh, I mean, Huntsville's growing, so so mm-hmm. we've got to have that variety and, and new faces. And, and I like the support that we have now in the Huntsville comedy scene. Um, I like that we are supporting each other more and not seeing it as as such a cutthroat kind of thing. You were talking about getting new names, new fresh faces and stuff like that. How are those sorts of people recruited? So the open mics are open to everyone. So anybody Mm -hmm. can go and sign. I mean, some people might just be sitting there enjoying a beer and decide that they're funny. Now, those people... usually get very disappointed when they realize how completely hard it is. I mean, I can't emphasize that enough to the listeners. It is so much harder than it looks. Even those that that seem to be naturals, there's still a lot behind the scenes to those sets and those jokes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, the, anybody can can try it. And some people may try it once. Some people, that's the beauty of it. You do it as much or as little as you want to. Mm-hmm. There's no contract. There's no, oh, you signed with this one. You have to do this. You right. know, you might get booked. You might not. You might. I've gone through periods where I haven't been booked for, you know, four or five months. And then I've gone through periods where I have four shows in two months. Mm-hmm. It's very accessible to everyone, but you have to work for it because if you want to stand out enough to get booked, Mm -hmm. (laughs) otherwise you're just doing open mics, which is fine. Like I said, it's very therapeutic for some people. Some people maybe aren't interested in ever doing a paid show. Let's talk about the writing process, you know, forming your set. First off, who were some comedy influences to you? in your life or you know now maybe even yeah i would say um i have a lot of of kind of ones that aren't as Top famous three. yeah like nate bergazzi uh, um mm-hmm. bergazzi I always say his name wrong and then um <laughs> mitch hedgeberg um i grew up watching comic view so i was like we were really poor so the first time we ever got basic cable i was like binging comic view <laughs> um 
so there's, uh, you know, Ralphie Mae. There's just a lot of, I have a pretty scattered array. Mm-hmm. How did they influence your style of, of comedy? Honestly, I don't know that they did because I, okay. I never set out to do comedy. Right. And I'm a storytelling comic. Mm-hmm. So the writing process for me has always come to me instead of me going to it. Um, so, like, I'll have an idea that kind of goes through my mind and I start to craft it into a, a more of a coherent story that is interesting enough to keep the crowd's attention, but then always has to be trimmed down after I try it, which mm-hmm. is kind of the, the case for most of us comics. We, we have a longer story and then we got to get it shorter <laughs> and shorter. But, um, but yeah, the weird thing about me is I'm very type A in every other aspect of my life. Like, I am, you know, have a very structured order for everything mm-hmm. except for comedy. Comedy okay. has been my willy-nilly, it comes to me. Now, granted, I still document it. I still have voice recorder on my phone. I still have my jokes, you know, organized. But it's never been a me sit down and write a joke. It's mm-hmm. been the joke kind of writes in my head. And do you extract things from your real life? Yes. So I would say about 90% of my material is true. Okay. <laughs> I, are there are there boundaries that you just don't cross or is everything yeah. kind of fair game or Yeah, there's um there's definitely boundaries and and some of them we've all learned the hard way. Like mm. I have you know I had a joke about like growing up and thinking I was so cool and thuggish cuz I like had a black boyfriend and I was this and that mm-hmm. and it's like yeah, that joke was funny to me, and I knew it was well-meaned, but in the end, it did not portray itself mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, I would never, ever want to come across, you know, in any kind of way to where it seemed like I was throwing, I don't know, being culturally insensitive in any way. Mm-hmm. And so in my mind, you know, I, I take those boundaries seriously, and I've and I learned from them, and I see other comics stumble on other cultural sensitivity issues where they have to pull back and say, oh, I thought that would go okay, and it didn't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to understand we're all there trying to lift spirits and help make people laugh and, and make fun of things. And um, and I think we all miss the mark on that sometimes and have to pull back and mm-hmm. and make make it uh, either kill the joke completely or find another way to present it. Mm-hmm. So and I'm always open to to feedback from people as far as my jokes. Now, most of my material is not it's not highbrow stuff. People, most of my <laughs> is just either embarrassing stories or yeah. sexually related jokes that uh, <laughs> allude to things. Um, so uh, a lot of my stuff isn't isn't offensive. But well, I'll say isn't offensive. It, it's. It could be offensive to some crowds, <laughs> but for the comedy scene, you know, most of my stuff is is pretty. I don't get into politics. I don't mm-hmm. get into religion. I'm just kind of that seems to be a, a common thing nowadays with comics is, you know, they don't touch on this particular subjects. And I know, you know, just across the board, you know, in regular life, people don't touch on the subjects, too. But I wonder, you know, in the past few years, do you think that has influenced why 
uh, comics don't really want to touch those subjects. Oh, yeah. There the definitely has been a, a cultural shift as far as, I mean, I can even look back five years ago and see some of the jokes that either I wrote or I remember comics doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, wow, that would not fly today at all. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's definitely. Talk about growth and change. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely more difficult. But that also makes it more challenging to show that you can still be funny mm-hmm. with those boundaries. You mentioned with comedy, you can do it as sort of a means of catharsis, or you could do it with a goal in mind, you know, a Netflix show or something, even like huge goals. But keeping a keen sense of humor, what's the importance of that to you? How has that helped you in life? Um, I think it's something that I've always done. It's always been a part of me. I had a pretty rough upbringing, and I think comedy has always been... um, part of who I am, part of how I've presented to the world. Making people laugh through my stories has always been who what I've done. I never considered doing it on stage, and I surely never considered getting paid to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so for me, my success I've had in comedy has been unexpected, welcomed, and life-changing. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think I ever had huge expectations as to where I'm going with it as far as, um, no, I never thought I was getting a Netflix special. But also, I never thought I was going to do comedy in front of 100 people. So it has been um, just a, a journey that has brought things to my life that I never thought. It's helped me overcome public speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, I have in my day job, I'm in social services. So I help people with disabilities find or get job skills. And so part of what I've had to do is go into classrooms and speak. So getting up in front of a group of teenagers, honestly, is a little more intimidating <laughs> than... Uh, comedy shows. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like all of that has happened for a reason. That route for me, it mm-hmm. could have gone a lot worse after my unexpected divorce. And I feel like I made a way for myself that's going to help me throughout life. Whether I stop doing comedy tomorrow and never do it again, the experience has changed me for the better. Let's talk about your goals here in the comedy world. Where do you want to land ultimately? Like what's going to be your peak in your head? So it used to be going out of town, doing an out-of-state show, but I've actually got a chance to do that. I've nice. done some shows in Macon, Georgia, Nashville. I think I did one in Florida. So, yeah, being able to go out of town for comedy and, and be on the road with comedy was really yeah. my goal, to be able to go on a road trip, which isn't easy to do with two kids and split custody and full-time job. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of one of the things was like, Christy, you're not going to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. But, but but to see that it kind of happened was huge. But my goal has always been to be booked on Epic, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of, we all look at Epic as kind of one of the biggest shows in, in Huntsville, and there's people from all over that come to do that show. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we there's actually a process now for Epic where we get to submit. So if my time comes, my time comes. But, but no, I've been, and I think that was a big thing, too. You talk about goals and unexpected, you know, mm-hmm. just uh, success was the first time I ever got booked was my Matthew Tate. You know, I'm just thinking I'm going to open mics to let loose and scream these jokes that are in my head and <laughs> talk about things I couldn't talk about in my day job. You know, and when he approached me for my first show, it was All Right by You Comedy, which was at Tim's Cajun Kitchen back in the day. And mm-hmm. 
I got to perform. I made $7. I was like, nice. whoa. I just got That's paid. That's $7 you didn't have before. Yeah, paid for, for my drink. For your comedy. For seven minutes of comedy. So I was yeah. like, yeah, that that was huge. And, and in my mind, I was yeah. thinking, if I never get booked again, I'm still happy. I can't believe this happened. And then, because mm-hmm. I was thinking, yeah, maybe Matthew Tate just believes in me because he's mm-hmm. a good guy. And he's like, I'm going to give Christy a chance. But then I started getting booked mm-hmm. by other, other shows and other people. And I was like, wait a minute. Am I? comedian now (laughs) am i doing this it really it snuck up on me it kind of took me a while uh because i've always suffered with really low self-esteem uh side note we all do in the comedy scene (laughs) but it's taken me a while to just absorb and look back and say okay i'm one of the huntsville Mm -hmm. comedians (laughs) and as you mentioned to me before this interview a board member Oh yes, I am a board member talk, at Shenanigans. Ta- yeah, talk about your talk about what like your duties are, what your experience has been. Okay, so Shenanigans Comedy Theater came about a few years ago, and it is a five hundred one c three nonprofit, making the arts accessible to everyone. So um, we're an inclusive nonprofit that allows anyone and everyone that wants some stage time to have some stage time that could regularly not a. Th- afford to rent out a theater you know we seat over 100 people so so it's a big deal we've done dungeons and dragons shows we have a group called weird kids meet up Mm -hmm. for any kids that feel out of place or like they don't belong and that's grown tremendously i think there's like over 700 members Mm -hmm. there are drag shows there's comedy shows there's improv there's you know we're, we're just trying to reach anyone that wants to to experience and to have that chance to get on a stage in front of an audience. Does your involvement include forming these show ideas? Kind of. We, we have a monthly board meeting. I, as far as my role, <laughs> I am the secretary. Okay. Right. <laughs> so I am taking notes, but also, of course, have input. But yeah, we talk about what works, what doesn't, mm-hmm. what, what kind of shows we may need to bring back. We vote on how to spend the money, a little bit of money we're making, so donations always welcome. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, it has been, it's definitely in my wheelhouse. It, it's been something that uh, I've had experience on boards with my day job, and I've had experience with comedy. So it's like I get to do do both at the same time. So mm-hmm. it's been a really neat experience. Kim and Jessica are awesome. They were yes. the masterminds behind all this. Mm-hmm. And it has just, I mean, we survived COVID, guys. Like, mm-hmm. I did a show one time on the back porch that was a driving comedy show so that we could try to still do comedy during <laughs> COVID. So we're, we're not going anywhere. We're growing. We're, we're getting more shows, getting our name out there. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely check out Shenanigans on Lehman Ferry. And, oh, we have a website. We have Instagram. We have Facebook. All right. So we're going to end it with a couple of quick questions for you, Christy. Do you have any sort of hidden talents other than comedy or unique hobbies that you can (laughs) disclose? Oh, that's a good question. I make balloon animals. What? <laughs> Other than snakes like me? I mean. <laughs> so, yeah, I, uh, my uncle was a professional clown and he wow. trained me. And uh, so I actually did a set one time where as I did the set, I made a balloon animal that, you know, coordinated with the set. Yeah. Um, so make balloon animals. Um, I'm a reptile enthusiast. I have snake, lizards. Uh, love nice. love reptiles. I used to be a reptile specialist at Petco <laughs> in my twenties. Cool. Um, we think any other 
special talent says, I can't sing or dance, um, that may be it. But you can take care of reptiles and I can't. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah, that would probably be the one that comes to mind that's the weirdest hobby. <laughs> <laughs> the snakes and the balloon animals are not one that you hear a lot, I guess. <laughs> no, not at all. I think that's cool. Um, what is your favorite corny joke, like a dad joke or popsicle stick joke or something like that? Oh, gosh. That's a hard question because I do not care for those <laughs> jokes. <laughs> and, man, I'm going to have to say N-A. Okay. <laughs> not applicable. And so we'll close it out. Do you have any gigs or shows that you'd like to talk about coming up for yourself or projects um, or, so or shenanigans? I was going to say, yeah, my, my final shout out kind of thing would have to go to Ogre, who if you haven't seen yeah. Ogre do comedy, you've got to see Ogre do comedy. But mm-hmm. he is um, a blind comic in our Huntsville comedy scene. I mean, he can see a little bit, but not yeah. much. <laughs> and uh he's a real good friend of mine he's a very talented comedian and he helped me get booked for a lot of shows these past Aww. couple of years so yeah. uh he needs a ride he can't drive and yeah. he'd get me booked so it was a good good situation good scenario um however with life being crazy and hectic i had to to fire my free agent and mm. <laughs> tell him i'll do what i can but um but i do have a show like i was saying um awesome comedy hour august 5th and that is at the open bottle in madison so come check it out you know thank okay. you for having me though. yeah thank you christy for being here on funny you should ask